Hey guys, so when you listen to the podcast and you hear the title SSAW Live Sports Podcast presented by the Craft Factory, you're probably wondering, what does the SSAW stand for? Well, it stands for Specialized Sports Analysis Worldwide. It's a huge Facebook group community that only talks about sports all day, every second, every hour. And from there, make sure that you type in the letters SSAW or just type in the full name Specialized Sports Analysis Worldwide on Facebook. When you click on it, make sure you put a request in. One of the founders will click on your request. And from there, you join a huge community that loves to simply talk about sports every day and every second. We talk about a wide variety of things from basketball to football to soccer to everything, you name it, even world wrestling entertainment, everything under the sun. We love to talk about it because we simply just love sports. So again, it's a Facebook group, a huge community that's waiting for you. Make sure you type that name in and we'll welcome you wholeheartedly. Welcome to SSAW. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Yo, what it do, what it don't. Welcome to Diamond Talk, where we pretty much, you know, talk shit about literally anything that happens in baseball. Rob, Nick, man, how you guys doing? We here. We alive. We ready to go. Nah, Ooh. nah, we doing real good. Real good. I heard you had a dirty diaper situation going on, though. Yeah, man, you know, daddy duty calls, and when it's daddy duty and it's the duty, it's ain't no fun. What Was that Nolan Ryan the second? Yeah, yeah, Nolan Ryan oh. throwing, throwing fire out the wrong end. <laughs> All right, well, that's disgusting. I I don't ever want to be a father after that. Um, anyway, guys, we have had some news with the MLB so far coming up. Kind of, this news kind of came out a week ago, but we're just getting to it now. And that's Robo Umps. It has happened. We're getting them. For all those people that wanted a uh, robotic strike zone, you're about to get it. Spring training's that time, man. And, you know, with that, yo, Nick, we'll just start off right with you because you're a pitcher. This is probably something that's going to benefit you the most if you had, you know, if you were a pitcher during during the spring training right now. Man, what's your feeling on Robo-Umps? Man, this is the dumbest shit ever. This is this is the worst thing MLB could do. There's there's so much of the human element to the game that needs to be there. And this is, like, the main thing. And... We've talked about it a little bit before, and everybody looks at it from the pitcher angle. And yeah, sure, you're not going to get any more of the Tom Lavins, the Greg Maddoxes that can get the calls off the plate two, three, six inches because of how well they do and how good their catcher is. And you make a guy like, yes, Monty Grandal obsolete. So all you really need back behind the plate now is a guy who can just stop the ball, pick it up, and make sure it doesn't go to the backstop. You don't even need to catch it anymore. But you're going to miss out on some of the best hitters ever, the Ted Williams, the Tony Gwynn's the Barry Bonds, and in some instances right now, Mike Trout's getting to that. His walk rate is getting up there every year. Same thing with Alex Bregman. These guys who really master their plate discipline, and if they take a strike or if they take a pitch and it's borderline, the umpire is going to give them so much respect that they're going to call it a ball even if it might be a strike. And it goes both ways. Just the really high highs of pitching and the really high highs of hitting, we're going to miss out on because of this straightforward, Yes, it is. No, it's not. And in some aspects, I understand that it's either a strike or it's not comment. But there's there's just that part of the game. Like if you're that good at pitching a baseball to where you can literally go off the plate a couple inches at a time and throw it exactly where you want. I play college baseball with Mike Kruko's son, Jared. And because he's Mike Kruko's son, he got to catch Giants pitchers, Major League Baseball pitchers. And he told me that LeVon Hernandez was the easiest bullpen to ever catch. And he said that there were a couple pitches on fastballs where he literally closed his eyes and LeVon Hernandez just hit the glove where he put it. You're gonna, like, that's so awesome. And that's a story that you're gonna miss out on. Like, even though guys will still be able to do it, it's not gonna be as important. And it's just a part of the game that is, it's, I'm gonna be really, really sad if that really makes its way into Major League Baseball. <laughs> For those of you who haven't heard of LeVon Hernandez, 
Ivan Hernandez was Bartolo Colon before Bartolo Colon be started becoming like a meme. But never got to 300 pounds. But never got, I mean, he was close. <laughs> he was he was pushing it there. Ah, man, yeah, he, he was old Duque's brother. Man, Cuban Cuban guys who kind of escaped there to play baseball. But, yo, uh, Rob, man, how do you feel about your Roomba calling strikes? <laughs> yeah, so Nick made a lot of good points um, about the robo-umps. I did read something about it that, like, the, uh, the umpire said that it wasn't going to be, like, fully – um, electronic at spring training. I guess they're just doing something with like the cameras. They're still gonna have umpires there, like doing their job because you know that creates a whole mess with the with the union and everything that they that they're with and their bargaining agreement. Um, but you know, I think I think the thing that I take away with the robo umps is it kind of sucks that a game or rather you know a, a national sport that receives a lot of criticism for being boring would want to take out one of the aspects that makes it so unpredictable like if you put in robo umps and you get a perfect call you know in terms of by technological standards if you get a perfect call on every pitch that's going to make the game even more boring people are going to be able to you know the machine's going to be able to be like oh strike oh ball or strike or ball like you need that bit of unpredictability there because you know a bad call a bad call changes the whole game. It changes the whole week. It changes the whole season for a franchise. Um, it leads to arguments, you know, between umpires and managers. Um, and, you know, if, if if the argument with the umpire and Aaron Boone would not happen this season, we would have not gotten the, the amazing clip of him calling, you know, his batter savages. Um, so... You know, I just think it, it comes down to that that unpredictability. I, I don't I'm not really a fan of the robo arms. I think, you know, you still need to have the ability to have a bit of human error involved. Um, that way it just makes the overall game a bit more enjoyable. You're not wrong about that, man. Like the thing with like robo arms and just I understand people wanting to get the, the call right. But part of the magic of baseball, part of the people, part of the reason why people come to watch baseball games, I felt like was that you don't have these, you know, pristine athletes out there. You, you know, you typically had your like everyday guys who felt they could go do this. When you have umps, you kind of take away, you're taking away more of that kind of just, you know, everyday man's kind of game where you don't have guys arguing anymore because everything's so precise where it's like, oh, I guess he beat that throw to first or I guess that is a strike. I guess, you know, like whatever. There's nothing to argue about. People love arguing. Like, I don't care what it is. People love arguing. Like I so, said, you know, we talked about the Hall of Fame last week. People argued about whether, you know, Derek Jeter is a first ballot Hall of Famer. And whatever side of the coin you fall on, like, that's still an argument to be had. And those are arguments that went on game after game with all these calls. You know what I mean? My, my biggest thing, though, and I, I'm a catcher. So, or I was a catcher. I'm not a catcher anymore. My knees said, stop that. But the thing with the strike, with the automatic strike, with the robotic strike zone is that it rewards bad pitching. And by that, I mean, look, you could set up for an outside fastball and your pitcher might miss by 17 inches and he might still get the benefit of a strike, even though he absolutely did not execute anything near what he was trying to do. And granted, I get it for, for the people who are arguing for the strike for the strikes. It's like, oh, but it's a strike. You should get rewarded for that, for being that close. But in reality, like, you know, or if you play, you know, like, look, that was a bad pitch. That dude missed. He didn't even miss the side that he was supposed to miss on. That was an absolutely terrible pitch. And you know, as a catcher, I hate that because you did have those guys that you, you don't want to reward guys for, you know, being bad. And, you know, a strike zone like that kind of kind of does that. I mean, there's something to be said about rewarding a guy for being consistent. And if you're consistently on the edge of the zone, you, I think you should get a strike. because It does prove that, you know, you might be that good. And, and last thing, man, like, look, what's what's the difference between this and just eventually just having a net back there? Teams are stealing a lot less. Granted, this is obviously very exaggerative, but... You know, it, it, what's the point of it? Might as well guys use their skill, their, their skill of deception, if you want to call it that, or with an umpire throughout a game. is just you're kind of taking a lot out of baseball. And I feel like the people pushing for this aren't really people who ever played baseball or people who appreciate baseball to that extent. You have a lot of people who kind of just want the numbers and want it to be right because it makes their numbers more accurate. And I think that's a, that's a terrible way to go. You're kind of losing a lot of things, things that made baseball great or that, you know, make baseball great when you do things like this just because you want a right or wrong answer. And guess what? In life, there isn't a lot of right or wrong answers. A lot of it's kind of just feeling it. And, and with that, there was something we were feeling, and that was these third basemen. And again, but like we've done in our rankings before, we, we, kind of, we did a consensus list and just started off, man. We have a uh, rookie of the year, MVP, 
most recently kind of injured, but he's also a World Series champion. Chris Bryant starts off our consensus third base list at number five. And you, Rob, we'll start with you, man. Chris Bryant, let us know about him. Chris Bryant, he would have not been the guy who I put at, at number five for me. But, you know, since we do have this consensus list, um, he, he's he's around that range. Um, I forget exactly where I had him. I think I had him at number like six or seven. Um, but yeah, it, it was good to see a fully healthy season from Chris Bryant. He is a former MVP. He is a former rookie of the year. Um, but, you know, kind of how we talked about before in our in our shortstop episode, to me, if he stays in Chicago, I feel like he should become better as a player simply because I'm sorry, but he's not the face of the franchise. Like he's he's he can basically just sit there and play second fiddle to Javi Baez, who's taking that spot. So like you don't have the pressure of needing to be, you know, the ultimate leader of the franchise. You can be the good hitter that you are. I mean, Chris Bryant, um, you know, legitly is like a 280, 290-ish hitter. He's gonna be he's gonna be able to hit 30 to 40 home runs per season when he's actually on the field. Um, he's a pretty decent defender. Um, not, a, not I wouldn't put him near, you know, the elite with with like some of the other guys that we're gonna mention. But um, he's an overall good player. I mean, I'm over uh, like I'm glad to see him back healthy. He he had um, you know a couple injuries recently, um, and he's a guy who might move a couple spots um, up up or down on some people's list. I just think that once we talk about some of the other guys on this list, the guys that are in the one, two, three spots, I think they've made such a huge gap between themselves and Chris Bryant that I don't know if, at least for me personally, I'm ever going to see him as like a top three third baseman again. Yeah, Chapman. I mean, whoa, Chapman. Oh, uh, Chris Bryant's defense definitely isn't at the same level as some of these guys, and I kind of just let it slip. But Chapman, yeah, like you can't compare Bryant's love to Chapman's love. Like those guys, that he's one of those guys that's like miles ahead of him. So Chris Bryant really isn't. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say he's a top tier defensive third baseman. But Rob, I'm gonna stick with you real quick, man. If he did get traded, where where would you want him to go? I think he has a he has a lot of of teams that he can go to. Um, I mentioned Atlanta before. I think Atlanta. You know, and I know I know Nick had mentioned um, possibly Nolan Arenado going to Atlanta. I think Atlanta needs to find a third baseman. I don't know if they're if they're fully confident on Austin Riley being the third baseman for this season. I mean, I would assume that Austin Riley would be part of any trade package for any type of top tier third baseman that they make. But um, I think it's really going. I don't care about the Ozuna edition or anything like that. If you're going to let the production that Donaldson gave you leave they need to replace that type of production. So they they have to do whatever it takes to get another quality third baseman in there. Yo, look, as you said, Ozuna, I don't know what else I heard. So I apologize. <laughs> I, got, I got I got trapped in it. <laughs> no, but look, you're right. I, I think Atlanta would make a great landing spot for him, especially in that lineup, man. That lineup is stacked with young talent. And look, Chris Bryant is an old guy by any means. What is he, like 26 right now? He's, he's very young. Uh, Nick, Chris Bryant, man, he was in your top five. Yeah, he was right there, number five. And before I go too much into Brian, just kind of want to, the doing these rankings today with the third baseman and comparing it to the rankings of the shortstop. You know, I really thought that shortstop was the deepest position in baseball, but man, third base is 15 to 18 players deep of guys I would not mind having on my team. I would not be looking for a replacement actively. And the reason I say that is. Uh, I watched Eddie Murphy Raw a couple nights ago, and for any listeners that have not seen it, go out watch it right now. Great it's show, a classic. Man. I mean, if you have not seen that, I don't even want to. I don't even really want you talking to me because your your opinion on comedy really isn't isn't valid. So you know the the whole line of what have you done for me lately, Eddie? That line right there is the opposite of the third baseman because there's so much talent in this position that what you've done for me lately one year isn't good enough. I need two, three, four, and five years. So saying all that, Bryant came in at my number five. Strictly because of that, because he has been a stud for years now. He's like, I mean, you named all his accolades, so I don't need to, to restate them. But he is, his upside is all world. And the problem is there's other third baseman whose upside is also all world. And because of his injury history, he comes in at five for me because the guys above him are either that much better defensively or their all world is a little bit more all world than Chris Bryant or they're just more consistent, or all three. So it's crazy because the top five third basemen I have, including Bryant, absolutely are franchise players, and you can really build a franchise around. And to Rob's point, the fact that he doesn't need to be that guy on the Cubs says a lot. And if if the Braves don't get him or Arenado right now, I think the Braves are making a huge mistake because they have everything to give 
and all it can do is help them out. And no matter if it has one or two years left before his arbitration is done and he's a free agent, it's going to be worth it. But Brian's my number five because he's just a stud. He's just not as much of a stud as the other four ahead of him. Nick, when I say this statement, do you feel, I mean, when I say this statement, do you feel third base right now in 2020 is kind of like what we looked at first base in like 2013? Absolutely. Where, yeah, it's just so deep. It's just so deep. You can, you know, when we make these lists, we go over, you know, each team, every guy, you know, potentially who can play there, who will be there. And look, you know, you hit it on the head, man. Like, I can see any of these guys being number one any given year just because this is that deep. Right now, like, the, the offensive studs are playing at their base. And you know what? It, this was probably the hardest list to make, at least to just get it down to a top 10. Yeah, it's hard to top 10. The other ones are hard to do top five. This one's hard to do top 10. Yeah, yeah. And it's not like – usually we had, like, tiers where we had guys who, look, we automatically know these guys are top three guys. And then everyone else from there is kind of picking. Like, no, you literally have – I would I would argue you have 10 guys, if not more, that – could be number one any given year. And, and no, it's crazy. It, it, was, it was absolutely crazy to me, man. It was just such a good list to make. Kind of very appreciate. I appreciate a lot um, what third base brings right now. And moving forward right now, number four, he's a guy who he has self-identified as, I want to change third base and the way third base is played. Let's talk about Matt Chapman of the Oakland A's. And man, look, what can you say about him? He probably challenges Nolan Arenado as the best defensive third baseman. You know, in, in, in your list of defensive third basemen all time, you have Scott Rowland, you got Arnado, you got Frank Robinson, and you might now have Matt Chapman. He's that good on the defensive side I'm talking about. So, you know, we'll go back, right back to you, Nick, because you are a defensive specialist out here. I mean, you, you, you name somebody like Kevin Kiermaier eventually, you're going to be named a defensive specialist. Absolutely. <laughs> what do you got on Matt Chapman? Uh, he's he's a defensive stud. I mean, he's arguably sorry, Jordan. It is arguably he's not the clearest, you know, third baseman standout between him and Nolan Arenado as far as the best third baseman in the game. Um, I still choose Arenado because I think that there's plays that Arenado makes that Chapman can't, and I think the difficult plays that Chapman makes Arenado makes pretty easily. But that's just me. Um, but there, you can't take anything away from Chapman. It's, I don't think there's a play on the field that he can't make just flat out. And then offensively. He's got a lot of pop. He does really good with getting runners in when they're in front of him. And he's pretty good on the bases. I mean, he doesn't run into outs. And he takes the next base when he gets the chance. His average isn't quite up there enough for him to move up the list. And the only three people he's behind are MVP candidate every year, number two in MVP behind Mike Trout, spoiler alert, and an MVP. So MVP, MVP, MVP. That's not a bad set of three to be behind. And the problem with Chapman for me is I don't see his offensive game rising above the other third basements that are ahead of him for this year coming up. Um, his ceiling just seems lower than their ceiling, and his floor is much lower than their floor offensively. But defensively, I mean, I'll take Arenado, but if you give me I'll be just fine. You mentioned a big thing, and you said ceiling. Look, I think out of all the guys we're about to mention and the guys we have mentioned, uh, Chapman probably has he's probably the only guy with that offensive ceiling where he has gotten better and he's improving, but you do the, the, the natural talent offensively just isn't there. You know, he's just not a guy that you'd say, Oh yeah, I want Chapman at bat. He, he's a guy who has had to get better. He's just not naturally good at that position. But yo, Nick, just l last thing with you, man, like how, how, how giddy would you have been in high school if they told you Arenado was playing short and Chapman was playing third? I, dude, I would have been I would have been drafted, I can tell you that much. I would have been playing Juco ball. <laughs> <laughs> well, some lucky bastards in you guys' high school was definitely was definitely with that. So Yeah, hey, real quick on Chapman too though, uh, since I live in the Bay Area, I get to see a lot of his FaceTime on the camera and he is sneaky funny. He's sneaky good in front of the camera and he's super humble. So that makes me like him even more. Uh, I had bought his replica jersey last year when I was just buying jerseys for every team just to like fill out my collection. And then after seeing a few of his interviews and just seeing how awesome he is with fans going to a couple A's games, I mean, he's signing autographs way longer than anybody else. I'm a big fan, so I turned around and bought an authentic jersey because the dude is amazing with fans. He's amazing in front of the camera. He's a great personality, too. Look at you, man. You're a marketer's dream. Absolutely. But <laughs> Maybe somebody's agent. <laughs> I'll take it. Yo, Rob, man, what about you? What do you got on Chapman? Yeah, I think you guys discussed Chapman perfectly. 
Um, it's a lot of the same things I was thinking about when I was trying to figure out his place in the rankings. I, I just think he has a ceiling that's a lot lower than a lot of the guys in front of him. And, um, you know, like like was mentioned, you can look at his average. Like his average was 249 this past season. I He's not a 300 hitter. Like, and you, you can see that he's not as talented as a hitter um as a lot of the other guys in the ranking even guys that i have lower than him like he's not he's not as talented as just a pure hitter like he's gonna hit home runs he's gonna drive in runs um but you know when you just when you just need in terms of like consistent hits i mean in terms of a consistent hit like you 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 have guys that didn't make this top five um you know not to spoil too much but you know you have like a josh donaldson for example a manny machado who are probably better consistent hitters than matt chapman um, he's gonna be there. He's gonna be near near the top top five probably for all these upcoming next couple seasons because of his defense as well, combined with with you know his his ability to to get something done with the bat. I mean, it's not like saying that his his um, hitting is trash. It's far from that. Um, it's just like average wise, he's a lot lower than a lot of the guys in the group. And you know what I like about Chapman is that he's humble. Like they literally asked him where he ranked himself in the top third baseman. And he said Arenado was number one. He probably put Bregman at number two and he'd either have himself or Anthony Rendon at number three. So he's pretty aware of what the rankings are, are like actually looking like. He's pretty set in reality. Um, he's a guy who could look, maybe you can argue he's next year that he's number two. Maybe he has a big season or anything like that. But I just don't think he has all the tools necessary to, to necessary to surpass some of the guys that are in front of him. So what you're saying is Chapman could have just made our list for us. Basically, that's what I'm hearing. Basically, I'm saying that he validated our list. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, As a professional dude, third baseman. It's great <laughs> self awareness. No, it is, and you know what? I, I don't. I have no hate towards Chapman, but well, you know, like I said, with with the age players, I don't want to say they're empty stats because they're definitely not empty stats. These guys get it done, but. They kind of feel like, look, you're going to get to that number regardless of whether it's during good games or bad games. Like you guys mentioned his, his bad number. I mean, his, his uh, home run numbers. And it's like one of those things where, do I consider you a power hitter? Like, not really. But are your numbers going to be there at the end of the day? Like, yeah, probably. Dude, you, know you, I mean? you, you got to consider Chapman a power hitter. If you've never seen a game in Odako, man, that stuff, like, it's hard to hit one out there. Like, Chapman is a true power hitter. He is, but when I, when I compare his like OPS, right? When OPS considers, you know, his other extra base hits, they're a lot lower than the rest of these guys, like a lot lower. So yeah, he, he gets them out of the yard, but I can't consider him a consistent power hitter like that. Like I, I, the way the game is played right now, you're getting the ball up in the air anyway, and you're hoping it goes. But some guys they hit doubles and triples, and you know things like that. Chapman's kind of like Homer or nothing. Uh, you know, his, his double numbers are lower than the other guys that we have on the list, other than like Nolan Arenado. But I, I don't know. Like, my, my thing is, yeah, he hits them for power. But at the same time, is it kind of one of those things where is it just, I don't know. I, I don't know. I just don't, I don't love his offense, is kind of what I'm saying. I, I just don't love it. But he is good. The numbers are there. So that's probably just me sipping on that haterade. And I, and I take credit for that. You know, I'll take that. The Rob will start with you for number three. And our number three is a guy that we saw perform during the playoffs this year. A guy who played himself into a very, very nice contract with the Angels. And of course, talk about Anthony Rendon moving from D.C. across the coast to Orange County in California. And he probably, like, he was my MVP last year. I, other than Yellick, he was, I, you know, I still can't believe uh, Bellinger kind of won over both those guys. But that's, that's, we had that discussion already. Uh, uh, Rob, tell me about Anthony Rendon. Well, yeah, you know, for Rendon, I, I hope people hold on a bit to the memories of, of his postseason play because, you know, he might be taking a little break from that now with the uh, with the Angels. Oh. Um, but, you know, he he he's he's a solid third baseman, more than solid. Probably he's getting to that elite uh, tier where, you know, his his hitting his hitting has come along the last couple of seasons. He established himself as the face of the, of the Nationals after Bryce Harper left. Now he moves over to the Angels where, you know, they obviously have a clear face in Mike Trout, but he's the legit number two, which, you know, the Angels still lack a lot of pitching. But I thought that a legit number two was something that they were also missing because it seemed like a lot of their players were kind of spread out. Like one year you can make the argument for Otani. One year you can make the argument for Upton. One year you can make the optimum for Simmons. They needed a, a guy who's going to be a legit number two who – no one is going to go up against him for that number two spot. And that is Rendon. 
I think the offense and defense that he's going to bring to to that Andrews franchise is going to be a tremendous help for Mike Trout. I mean, we've talked about the the impact that he can have um, not only on that team, but but specifically on Mike Trout as a hitter. Um, just from his presence um, in the lineup. So I'm looking forward to seeing him um, out over there. You know, I think the move to the AL is also going to be beneficial for him. He could um, put in some rest days in there if they decide to put him at DH for, for like a few games because you still kind of do want him at the hot corner. His defense is, is too high for you to constantly sit down. But, you know, maybe three or four games at the DH spot, give him a little rest. Um, I'm trying to see how he plays in the AL this year. I, I'm excited to see him in the AL, man. Like, look, he, he played in a division where it was stacked with pitching. Where, I mean, granted, he didn't have to face his own guys, luckily for him. But, you know, the AL West isn't exactly, you know, he's not going to have to face the Grom. You know what I mean? Garrett Cole just left that division, so he doesn't have to play face him. The, you know, the Athletics have Youngins. The Astros still have uh, Verlander, but, you know, we'll see. I, I think he has a good, he, he has a very good opportunity to put up some great numbers there. And, I'm pretty sure Nick's going to mention this right now, but Mike Trout's still in that lineup. So, Nick, go ahead. Yeah, man. I mean, I talked about it on an earlier pod. Rendon could have 150, 160 RBIs this year with who he's got hitting in front of him and the pitches that he's going to see because he's got either Otani or Upton or Pujols hitting behind him. <clears throat> Say what you want about Pujols and Upton as far as declining their career. They still produce. They still get the RBIs and when guys are on in front of them. So, you really don't want to face those two with one or two guys on. And if Otani is hitting anything like he did last year, I mean, that, that's a dangerous hitter right there. So Rendon's going to get his pitches to see. And the thing that I really like about Rendon is he's just consistently getting better each year. And I don't know if we've seen his career year. And what I really want to see this year is you took Bryce Harper off of the Nationals and Soto was kind of the face of the franchise, in my opinion. I know you talked about Max Scherzer, uh, Steven Strasburg, and even Anthony Rendon, but I think Soto got the most attention nationally outside of Max Scherzer. So Rendon has, once you got that big name out of there, I think Rendon was really the guy that kind of captained that team. And he was on the Rice team, I believe, that went to the College World Series. So he's a winner. He's just a flat-out winner. And can he bring that attitude over to the Angels and really, you know, point out a couple things here and there that gets them to the postseason and maybe gets them, you know, a couple series wins? And who knows what can happen. But I'm really excited to see what he does in the AL. And to your point, Daniel, like really the only stud that they're going to see this year is Justin Verlander. Everybody else is a maybe. The Athletics have a lot of studs that are coming up, but Rendon is a stud, you know, certified major league hitter. He might just take those guys for lunch. You know, Jesus Lozardo, AJ Puck from the from the Athletics, Sean Manaya. He might just eat their lunch, and, and they don't have no idea what they're doing with him. So it's going to be awesome to see. The only reason he came in at number three for me is because the other two guys ahead of him have a little bit better track record of just top end success. Yeah, and you, you look at the you usually look at the Angels lineup, and they might have the all name team. Where if you look up and down that lineup, there's guys you've heard of. You know, you said Pohl, you said Trout, you said Upton, you know, Anderson Simmons, guys who at their own time they've been at the top of the game, and they just they haven't been together. And I don't think this is the year that you know our Pohls you know magically does something that he's never done before. Obviously, but he has a good team around him. And I think anytime you are near a guy like Albert Pujols, you do learn a lot of things. And a guy like Mike Trout too. Like I think I think he's gonna be able to just be able to soak a lot of that up and be very good. I, I know a lot of fans are mad that they didn't get them. I know Rangers wanted him really bad. The Dodgers wanted him. You know, other teams. You know, Nationals obviously wanted him back really bad, and that's because this guy is really good. And defensively, Rob mentioned that he's not he's not a scrub. He does get it done defensively. You don't want him as your primary DH. He's not nowhere. He's nowhere near that. And you know, with that, let's get to our number two. And our number two is nothing but controversy right now. Granted, you can if you look at his splits last couple of seasons, his away stats are just as good, if not better, than his home stats. But when you're a cheater, you're a cheater, and we're gonna call you out on it, man. And that's Alex Bregman. Uh, we know we're gonna ha- go ahead and start with you, Rob. What do you got on Bregman? I know you're not happy to see him when he comes in in, in August. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm definitely not happy to see him, but, you know, kind of how we talked about with Altuve for our second base list, I'm, I'm not going to knock him for it. You know, I'm still going to have him in there at, at the number two spot. I do think he's the, num- he's the number two um, third baseman in baseball. To me, I'm, I'm just done with the cockiness. You know, there, there's a certain, um, to me, there's a certain energy that you carry yourself with. Um, but I also do realize that my opinion doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Like, you know, a, a player is going to carry himself how, however he wants to carry himself. 
But, you know, I think Mike Trout is the best player in the game. And I don't even think Mike Trout carries himself with, with as much cockiness as Alex Bregman does. Um, especially after the whole Astro scandal, it makes them look a lot worse. Um, but like we said a lot with, with these Astros players, this, this is essentially going to be a show it year. You know, you have to show the people that you are the player that they've gotten accustomed to seeing. Um, without the cheating now we're not going to say that it's going to be without the cheating 100 percent because you know frankly with with any franchise we don't know what happens behind the scenes um but yeah with, with bregman i just think you know as, as we've discussed before i'm also just tired of the narrative um he's not the second best player in the game he's not even he he's not the second best player in the game because to be the second best player in the game you'd have to be the first best player at your position which he's not so um yeah i'm, I'm tired of the narrative that the mlb is trying to push of bregman being like a number two to trout um he's not better than Betts. he's not better than lindor he's not better than arenado he, like at best if you want to make an argument argument for him he's like the fifth best player in the game maybe not even that so yeah he's the second best he's the second best third baseman in baseball great player but this this year he's gonna have to show that he can put up those numbers without you know the controversy that surrounds the astros i'll say if, he, if he's number one at anything he's the number one villain in baseball right now you mentioned his cockiness and you mentioned you know the scandal and people you know i can't imagine people who still are like hey look i love alex bregman he's the he's the storybook guy that i want to be but look i whew, and i get a lot of i get a lot of crap for this i don't think bregman's as good as the stats show and I've been wrong up to this part in his career because he's absolutely crushed it. You know, the fact that he was an MVP, he was number two in MVP voting last year kind of just shows how wrong I've been. But even just watching him play, like, I really, like, I really don't think he's as, as good as people make him out to be. Is he an all-star? Sure. I'm not going to say, I'm not say you're gonna say he's not an all-star, but I don't think he's that, you know, tier one kind of player that people make him out to be. And, you know, call me a hater, you know, say that I don't like him because of his attitude and because of his demeanor. Whatever. I just don't think that the skill set that he shows matches up to his numbers. And obviously that's wrong because he's putting up the numbers. They're, they're physically there. You can't change that. That's, that's something that's objective. But he's always been a guy that I'm like, look, I, I just don't think he's this good. But he's been he's proven wrong. He's proven me wrong for years now. Uh, Nick, what do you have on Ash Bregman? He's proven you wrong because you is wrong. And let me ask you this. What does Alex Bregman, Alex Bregman do that Javier Baez doesn't do? What's the difference between the two cheap. when it comes to anything oh. on the field? <laughs> I mean, Rob, <laughs> Rob said cheap. No, but look, honestly, I think I think as far as athletic, as far as athletic gifts, as far as gifts on the baseball field, I feel like Javier Baez is more talented of a player. Granted, look, the numbers the numbers say otherwise, but I think so Baez is a much more talented baseball player. But there's there's different levels of talent, and being a former player, yes, I love Javier Baez is like what he actually physically moves and does on the field. But when it comes to performing, Bregman's a better. And I hate to say it, he very easily could be the second best player. And the reason I bring up Javier Baez is because Javier Baez is he's he is the epitome of the Latin flair. Guess what? Alex Bregman has a Latin flair. He just happens to be white. He's cocky, but he does it in a fun way. And he carries a chip on his shoulder because he was drafted behind Dansby Swanson. That's why he wears the number two. It's not for Jeter, it's because he was drafted second overall. And Bregman to me the cockiness I initially didn't like it but when I go back and look and see what he does he is what the MLB needs he is the face that they're trying to get out of Trout but we don't like it because he's not as humble as a Trout and here's a hot take he's a white guy so it's cockiness if he was a Latin guy it would be fire intensity and passion and Bregman I think is going the right direction he keeps getting better and he has a chip on his shoulder I don't think he's trying to show anybody up, which is what I used to think of Javi Baez until I watched him play the game every day and I watched him in the in the WBC. I mean, he's celebrating before he even has the ball. He's got the number one finger in the air, the no-look tap. Is that it's cocky. It's what the MLB wants. That's why they're pushing him. And I I mean he's a stud. This is he could overtake Nolan Arenado this year because overall his offense is right on par with Nolan Arenado except for the average. And I really think he could become the best third baseman in the game. Defensively, he's not going to make the spectacular play like Nolan Arenado. He's not quite as athletic overall, but he's solid. And his offensive uh, approach is amazing. He's got more walks than strikeouts the last two years. And he just keeps getting better at every single aspect of the game every year. Look, man, I got, I got two things, man. Look, I think it's it's not confident. It's cocky. Look, you said the Latin player. Look, Manny Machado, he gets shit on constantly for being cocky. 
and we, we all, but he doesn't try all the time. That's why he doesn't try all the time. Like like Baez. No, not like Baez. I'm talking about like Bregman. Okay. I, you know, like like all right, like I think Machado, who no, as far as talent wise, on top I think it's different. But as far as talent wise, I think Machado's about a more talented player. But look, and same, same with Acuna. Acuna, he's a guy who people consider cocky. He's not a guy who people think like, oh, Latin flair. Like, no, people think Acuna, people think that Machado are cocky guys that they don't like seeing because they are cocky. And I put Alex Bregman closer to that than I do towards confident. You know what I mean? I think, I think uh, what's called, Altuve is a confident guy. I think Bregman's a cocky guy. You know what I mean? Because, you know, same thing with Arenado. Arenado's an American player. Arenado, I think he's confident. I don't think of him as a, as a cocky guy. But second thing, you mentioned that walk to strikeout ratio thing. All I got to say is we'll see. We'll see. It's easier to take a fastball Fair when you know enough. it's coming. We Fair know enough. it's easier to take a curveball when you know it's coming. You know what I mean? Like, and I look. I I personally can't say I've seen those numbers on the you know home away splits or whatever. But when it comes to those specific things, let's see. Let's see how good you are when you know what's coming, kid. Yeah. Bregman did it all through college. I, I I really think he is the. He's not Barry Bonds, but in the aspect of talent and chip on his shoulder that he's carrying, he is maybe the closest thing we've seen in Major League Baseball since Barry Bonds to having exceptional talent and also having a huge chip on his shoulder to prove everybody wrong through his career. He's never going to be Barry Bonds, so I'm not going there. But just this, the comparison of talent with chip on your shoulder, Bregman's got I He's a stud. I think he's going to change a lot of minds this year. There's things I like about him. Look, I like his swing. He has a short, compact swing. He doesn't have a lot of movement in it. So I think that kind of thing leads towards being more successful, especially in today's day and age. But like I said, like I've never thought that a talented matched up to his numbers, and he's proven me wrong every year, and and he's, he's probably gonna prove me wrong this year too. And if he does, that's fine. And look, there's, that's the thing. Sometimes we're wrong in evaluating players. I've been wrong so far in evaluating Bregman. I've never thought that he was. You know what? The fact that he's reached this level of kind of uh, superstardom to me is kind of it, it's insane to me. I, I just don't think, as far as baseball, he's he's that good. But he's proven me wrong every year, and I hope he keeps on doing it because it gives me something to bitch about. <laughs> let me let me make let me make one more one more comment about Bregman. Like the, oh, thing, with Bregman, the thing with Bregman and and his cockiness, I don't to me at least to me personally, I don't know how how anybody else is going to take it. I don't necessarily see it like you know judging him because he's white. Because for example, I thought Josh Donaldson was one of the cockiest players I've seen, especially in his time with in Toronto. Like I disliked josh donaldson because of his cockiness now i'm not going to shit on him and say he's a terrible player or anything like that because he's not in his time in toronto he was a top five third baseman he's a to me he's still a top 10 thir third baseman um you know that that that's up for debate for for people um the problem that i have with the cockiness is the situation that he ended up being caught up in yes like you can uh, dislike, yeah, you you can dislike sure. Bre yeah you can dislike bregman's cockiness but I'm not going to sit here and say I dislike his cockiness. And because I dislike his cockiness, he's the seventh best third baseman in baseball. Like, I'm not going to de deny his talent. The thing with me is now because of the situation that you're in, it's up to you to back up your cockiness. Go out this season, hit 40 plus home runs, hit 100 plus RBIs, you know, hit a, get to a crazy OPS, like, and then show people that you really are this player. I don't have a problem with it. I don't hate the guy. The, pr the problem that I have on the other side of things with the narrative is stop trying to stop trying to push a guy down my throat as the as the number two player in baseball when to me he's not the number one player at his position yeah. like I agree with you Bregman could be better than Arenado but that's the key he could be he's not better than Arenado yet because think about it even if we pair up Bregman with Arenado in terms of their hitting Bregman is never going to be the defender that Arenado is. Like, no. Arenado is going to have that defense over him every single year. So unless Arenado takes a massive dip in offense or unless Bregman just takes a huge leap in, in offense where he's hitting 50-plus bombs, and you know, because Arenado is a decent power hitter, but I, I don't know if Arenado is going to come out here and start hitting 50 bombs a year. He's probably going to stay around that 35 to 40-ish range. But, you know, I, I, I just need to see that before the MLB has just crowned him the second-best player in baseball. Like, Crown him the number one third baseman in in baseball legitimately first before I'm over here, you know, making the argument that he's number two behind Trout. I agree with you 100. percent And look, and just to just to point out to people listening, even with all my biases and stuff like that, Bregman was still my second third baseman, and he was number two for all of us. Yeah, you know I mean, and we all like obviously we're gonna find out right now, but we all had the same consensus one, but our consensus number two was all Bregman. 
So even with all my bullshit and even, and this goes for all of our guys, look, there's guys that we like and we dislike, but when we do our rankings, we try to take our biases out of it. And you never can take it hundred percent off, but you know, we try, we try to make it really about the statistics. We really try to make it about what we see talent level wise. And even with all that, he still ended up as my number two. And you know, our guys, like I'm sure that there's, I don't, I don't probably <laughs> Rob and even me. I wanted to sneak Gio or Shella into our top ten because of his year last year. <laughs> nah, nah, oh, nah, 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 I ain't taking it that far. <laughs> no, 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 be off the air for sure. My point is, my point is that we didn't, though. You know what I mean? And we could have, we could have argued it as far as the season. Yeah, that. But, but, that, but we didn't because we. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say that's a key because, like, I, I like. I know sometimes on the page, like, especially going back to last year's rankings when it was just you and me, like at times, like people would call us biased. And I'm like, do you understand the definition of like being biased? Like we would literally have a Yankee in every single top 10. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know before you, but for like me, Joe Rochelle wasn't even like in consideration for any of this list. No, like, he was, was, like, was like, was like, maybe you can make a case for like top 20 last year. He was, yeah, he was, he was like an afterthought for me. He was, he was top five from AAA. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, I mean he still hit over 300. Like, give him some credit. Damn. <laughs> look, I- I'm just saying that we do take these these lists as seriously as we can. And that's why, like, look, as, as, as much as I talked about Ash Bregman, he was still my number two. And, you know, let's go right out to number one. And it should be no shock to anybody right now. Nolan Arenado was our contestant number one. We mentioned the elite defense. Not, he's not only a gold glover, he's a platinum glover. Something that Rawlings established out there. Good for Rawlings. But, you know, also, he's the face of third base position, and he has to be. He's been consistent there for a number of years. This isn't just a one-year thing. No, he's been consistent there for like the last five years. I think I, want, I, don't, I don't remember exactly how many All-Stars he's made, but I want to say he's something like a seven-time Gold Glover or a five-time Gold Glover. Every, every single year of his career. Yeah, yeah. So it is seven times, right? Yep. Yeah. You know what? Like, And that just goes to show how good and how consistent this guy has been. And with that, I know, and I know, Nick, you're a big uh, Arenado fan, man. So I'll, I'll go ahead and start a few. You. you know, l- let me know a little about Arenado. What makes him the best third baseman in the MLB? Um, just, just he's defensively, like I said before, we were talking about Chapman. He just he makes plays that I don't think any other third baseman can make. And in my the, of all the baseball I've ever watched, the number one play to me that is just the most unbelievable. How did you do that? That's not even humanly possible is Jim Edmonds running straight back and diving straight ahead without and just looking straight over the center of his body to find a ball and catching it on dive. I'd still, I can look at it any number of times. I don't know how it happened. Number two is Ozzy Smith diving and the ball taking a bad hop and a bare hand. And the number three is Nolan Arenado in San Francisco running full speed and catching the ball, rolling onto the tarp, getting up and throwing from his ass on the tarp, trying to throw a guy out. It's it's just as hard as the Jeter play when he dove in the stands and cut his head. Like, it's insane. I don't know how he made it, and I don't think any other third baseman that's ever played the game could make that play. And that is what puts him at number one, on top of the fact that he's just he just hits nothing but home runs and drives and runs every single year for four or five years straight. And the platinum glove that you talked about is considered the best defender in the entire league. So of all the gold glovers, they're the best. They're the gold glove of the gold glove. He's gotten that four times, and he's only been in the league seven years. Like, it just doesn't get better. The only thing that I'll say about Arenado that, you know, hasn't been said already is I very, very selfishly want to see him go to Texas in a trade so that in the AL West, you have Alex Bregman, Nolan Arenado, Anthony Rendon, and Matt Chapman all in the AL West. I would try to see every home game to every AL West game. Just to hey watch man, the third base. Don't forget about Kyle Seager out in Seattle. Oh, but how could I forget that? By the way, the better of the two Seagers. But like the Ooh. third baseman, <laughs> hot take. The third baseman in the AL West would just dominate. It wouldn't even be funny, and that would be really interesting. Like the Gold Gloves going out from there. I mean, you're not you're not so bad with the NL West, though, man. You got Longoria, who's obviously like past his prime years. Still solid, you got, though. You're right. You got Turner, who hasn't had like the right amount of hair since he was 12. Yeah, Manny Machado, you know, who came into into San Diego. Obviously, Nolan. I mean, I don't know. Like, they're basing that bad in the NL West either. Dude, but, he, looked, he looked pretty good in Yankee pinstripes. I'll just throw that out there. You say that about everybody, Rob. I mean, but, but is it facts, though? Is it facts? It, I'm not going to say it's not facts. I mean, Colorado has pinstripes. It's not like they don't have pinstripes. I'm just saying. 
Like that's I why I said, but that's why I said Yankee pinstripes. Okay, the difference between Yankee pinstripes and Colorado pinstripes is that one of them is worth twenty-seven titles. Oof! Hit him with the facts. I mean, while you're at it, might as well just tell us more about Nolan, man. Just keep going with it. Oh, I mean, dude, he's the number one third baseman for a reason. I mean, Nick just said a lot of good reasons. He, he, look, he is basically the elite at both ends of the game, offense and defense. You have guys that are on his heel. You know, you can say Alex Bregman is is putting the pressure on him in, in terms of being the top offensive third baseman. You can say guys like Chapman and Rendon are putting pressure on him in terms of being the best, like, defensive third baseman. But for the time being... Heading into the 2020 season, he still ranks at number one in both ends of the game for me. Um, I don't know if there's anything else more to say about him. Like, his defense is, like, super elite. I was looking up a stat about him. I don't remember it exactly, but it was about his defense. And I think at the time when he was when he was a rookie, he, was, he became only the 10th rookie in the history of the MLB to win a gold glove. Like when he won his first gold glove, I don't know if there's if there's been another rookie since um, his rookie season who's won a gold glove. So I wouldn't be able to give you the stat on that. But like to, to think about it, the year that he won his gold glove, he became the first rookie since Ichiro to win a gold glove. So like that should let you know like how elite his defense is that he has not missed a single season without winning a gold glove. Like he has literally undisputably been the best third defensive third baseman in the NL his entire career. And like, I think that speaks for itself. His defense is elite. I don't see any guy passing him in the next two or three seasons. Maybe when he gets up there in age, he's probably still going to be like, like a top 10 defensive third baseman in baseball. You know, I just, I just don't think that's something you, you completely lose. Um, and he's, he's still one of the top hitters. I mean, there to me, I'm sorry. There's no argument against him for the number one spot. Yeah, look, when you when you take into context that he's done before, uh, the, you know, he put up the numbers that Alex Bregman did this season. He's done that before, and he granted he didn't win the MVP for it, but you could argue they might have should, he maybe should have. He's done that for multiple years now. Where Alex Bregman, we had this year where like it was building. People expected Alex Bregman to. To get to that level eventually. Obviously, MLB love them and they're like, hey, look, let's put him on everything we could possibly could because we love Alex Bregman. But Nolan Arenado has done that and he's done that consistently. Yeah. So I don't know, man. When you when you just look at it collectively, unless Alex Bregman just steps it up one, you know, one other notch, which again, like I don't see it. I, I, I'm, I can't believe he hit the notch he has. So unless he hits the next notch, I don't see him surpassing Nolan Arenado as the top third baseman. But yeah, look, with that, we mentioned a lot of third basemen right so far, man. Like, we'll keep it with you, Rob. Who's one third baseman who, you know, might have made your third your third base list or someone some guy that was, you know, close to making your top ten list who you think you know deserves to be talked about right now? All right, I'm gonna give you one negative and one positive because of the <laughs> of the flip flop of the flip flop that we had in the chat before we we uh taped our podcast. So flip your flop. The negative is Jose Ramirez. Originally, I didn't have Jose Ramirez in my list. I know both of you did. I didn't have him on my list because I didn't have him on my list similar to how to how you talk about Bregman. I just don't think Jose Ramirez is as good as his numbers indicate that he is. You know, I talked about this before how like people people legitimately try to make the argument that Jose Ramirez is better than Francisco Lindor and you know, that's a conversation like I will fight to that the should death. never be had. Yeah, I, I will fight to the death on that conversation. Like you'll, I will get in a ten-hour debate with someone if they legitimately think that Ramirez is better than Lindor. I don't care if he had two back-to-back top three MVP finishes. I don't care if like those seasons statistically are better than Lindor. Everything that Lindor brings to a team is something that Jose Ramirez will never be. But I decided to give him some respect and at least put him in the number ten spot because he did have those top three MVP finishes. They were like 900 plus OPS seasons. So, okay, I'll put him at number 10 and give him a little respect. See if he has somewhat of a bounce back year this year. But the guy that I really wanted to put at number 10 was Yoan Moncada out in Chicago because I am super excited for this guy. This guy is finally starting to pay off for Chicago. He's finally turning into the player that a lot of people were expecting him to be, quite frankly. I mean, after the Chris Sale trade, he was the main piece going back to Chicago um, and we all saw Chris Sale pay off for Boston. Boston got that title. So now I think Yohan Moncada on the other end of that trade is going to end up this year or next turning into the complete face of that franchise. And, you know, we talk about teams getting stacked. I mean, 
have you guys noticed that let's take a look at how many rankings we've done so far we've done the catchers we've done first base second base i think we, we've we've done all the positions right all the all yep. the, the yeah the third third yeah third base our last one okay so we had we had a Chicago White Sox player in the top 10 at catcher, in the top 10 at first. Um, we didn't have one at second, I don't believe. But I know I, I at least... We didn't have one at short, but Tim Anderson was close for me. I have Yon Moncada there, like right on the brink of third base. Like, we we had we had Daniel Luis Robert yeah. <laughs> at number four. Thank you for specifying. Was, yeah, <laughs> Daniel. Daniel Luis Robert out there. But like, you know, and we also had a lawyer in the conversation. Like they have such a stacked team of young players. Like that's the key outside of Abreu. These are young guys that are like, if they all hit their potential, which a lot of them are having crazy seasons. Like, like I said, I want to see if Tim Anderson can repeat somewhat of this 335 season that he had, which he did miss a good number of games. So I am going to factor that in. But, you know, if a lot of these guys hit their potential, especially Moncada, who I expect to be the leader of his team, and his numbers improved like across the board this season. The White Sox can be something special. So Moncada is a guy to keep to keep an eye on. Had him in my top ten, took him out last minute, but he definitely deserves that spot. I mean, I got to disagree with one thing, just one thing. I, you said I, I think I think I know what it's gonna be. I hope you do because you should you should know by now. You said that you that Yoan's gonna be the face of the White Sox. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry to tell you, but Luis Roberts going to be the face of the White Sox for the next 30 years. Whoa. You wait on it. I'd put you 50, wait on I, it. I'd put $50. Let, let's say this. Let's say this. I'd put $50, right, on the fact that when Luis comes up, Luis, Luis comes up, like, and has a full season, take Luis five, take five seasons from Luis and five seasons from Mokata, and Mokata will be a better player. I'm down for that bet. Let's do it. All right. All right. Right. On record, I'm on record. Look back to the January 27th <laughs> and and find it out, and we'll see. We'll see where Lewis, Lewis Robert and Yuan Mikado are. They <laughs> see, so don't edit that out. Yeah, there you go. You got it. Keep it in there. <laughs> I mean, no, we never said they had to stay in Chicago either. You know, like sure, sure. Sure. not Mikado can be in with the Yankees. Now, all right. Look, that, I mean, he's already in pinstripes. Might as well just put an NY on it. Dude, it's, it's, it's the best. It, there's levels to pinstripes. Okay, it, it's I don't, the, same. I don't. the Yankees have the top tier pinstripes. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know what's kind of funny. Uh, you know how like the Phillies have like that red pinstripe thing. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. My my girlfriend calls them the evil Yankees. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, no. Anyway, look. Uh, you know, Rob. I mean, Nick. Let's go for you, man. Who's who's one guy that you want to put some time on? So I'm gonna make a couple quick points. First of all, shout out to all three of us for not. Being prisoner of the moment, putting Tim Anderson on there because that dude is not that good. He had a great year. He is not a three twenty six, three forty six hitter. Whatever he had, yeah, he, he'll be not, back around three hundred. So congratulations to all of us for actually understanding the game at least a little bit. Number two, I got a little fact check. Uh, Matt Chapman did have the fifth most doubles for third baseman out of the top twenty five uh, qualified third baseman. Where Chapman really lacks and his OPS comes down is actually his singles. So he's got a ton of power, gap to gap, but he just he just swings and misses a lot. He does not get a lot of singles. All right. Uh, All right. I'll uh, take it. As far as third baseman, I also want to bring up two guys. Number one, the guy that just pisses me off, Manny Machado. Bro, try. Just try, man. Give me your talent, and I will show you what to do with it, man. Like, this dude could be the best third baseman. He's got the talent. He's got the arm strength. He's got the range. He's got the glove. He's got the offense. But he just, it's like he got to San Diego. He's like, man, these palm trees are sick. I'm going to watch them instead of the ball. So he pisses me off more than anybody else in the game. Uh, but the guy I'm going to talk to, shout out to Sammy. Guess what, bro? Devers is not there, man. He's got all the pedigree in the world. He had a great year. But in the world of third baseman, you've got Nolan Arenado with seven straight gold gloves. You've got Alex Pregman just busting chops left and right for two to three years. Rendon has been an MVP candidate last year and was on that way the year before. Devers is on his way, and he could be in the top five next year. And I would love to see it. And I had him just slightly above Moncada only because I think he has done more with his pedigree than Moncada has. And Moncada swings and misses a lot more. And his entire approach changed last year to swing at first pitches instead of waiting. And if Moncada keeps that, he's going to pass up Devers. But Devers could be right there. Uh, So I'm really looking forward to see the young guys and see what they do this year. 
Yeah, and look, I, <laughs> so look, first thing I gotta say is I love Manny Machado. Um, and this is just for a personal reason. Um, his cousin went to school in, to, in my high school. So whenever the Orioles played the Yankees in the, in the ALCS, he would come out to Union City and he'd hang out with him and we'd have stories and shit. Dope. Yeah, no, super dope, super dope. Um, but look, I think anytime you go to Petco Park, your offensive numbers are going to suffer. And I think Manny Machado suffered with some of that, man. You know what I mean? Like, he, he goes from, from Camden Yards, which is, a you know, notoriously a, a hitter-friendly ballpark, to playing half the game at Petco and, you know, at Dodger Stadium and at, you know, San Francisco, where th- those aren't places that typically help out hitters. And now you're playing more than half your games there. Your offensive numbers are going to take a dip. But the talent's there. Like, the talent, I think next to Arenado, he's probably the second most talented third baseman there is in, in all of baseball. And if I'm making a team in, like, a neutral site, I'm probably taking Arenado first, Manny Machado second. Um, you know, another guy that I kind of want to touch on real quick is, um, he, we didn't mention him probably because of his youth, and I know we've kind of been anti-youth other than myself, was Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I don't know if his defensive if his defensive game ever catches up to how good his offense is going to be. I don't think he ever comes close to winning a Gold Glove at third base. I think he eventually ends up as a you know DH type. Maybe he plays first base for some time. I just don't love him at third base defensively, at least. But look, what he did was impressive. He he put up at bats that only the really elite type hitters can put up. And I'm talking about that at bat that was famously against Chapman. I'm talking about at bats where you know two strikes. He's hitting triples you know, down the right field line, which is not something that you see guys do in this day and age anymore. And I just think his ceiling is going to be huge. Everyone mentions the power numbers. You know, I say, look, everyone's hitting for power now. I think the fact that he puts the ball in play as well as he does is something that's going to contribute highly to success. But the guy I really want to talk about just because he did have a great season and I want to focus on him is uh, Eugenio Suarez. This dude was one home run away from hitting 50 home runs. Granted, his defense, again, isn't great, isn't even close to Matt Chapman, isn't even sniffing the trail of Nolan Arenado. But offensively, he's still in a great lineup. That lineup, we talked about it in, in you know multiple episodes, how good Cincinnati is and how, you know, how, how deeper that team is. So a guy who hit for 103 RBIs last year, I don't think it's crazy if you see him hit for 120, possibly 130 with the kind of guys he's going to have around him. And, you know... Again, he plays. He plays in in you know Great American, where it's a hitter friendly ballpark. He's a guy that's very underrated because we have so many great third basemen guys who have been in races. That he kind of goes like, oh, I, this is another guy that he puts up the numbers, but we don't really hear about. So I felt like he deserved some credit. He came in at my number five, and you know, yeah, I think look, we're we're so, we're so lucky to have these this great I want to say era of third basemen, and, and and I don't know, man, ne- next year. I mean, great. Nolan Arenado might still be our number one, but I think any of these guys can challenge him for that and can legitimately challenge him for that. The difference will be the consistency. But yeah, man, yo, Rob, Nick, is there anything to end this thing off that you guys want to say? I'm good right now, man. Yeah, I'm just excited to see this season come up. Third baseman is a deep position. I can't wait to see how these guys play out this year. Yeah, look, and I got to say, look, I love doing these rankings, but I'm kind of getting tired of the rankings. I want the season to get here. I can't wait for, you know, bullpens and catchers coming up in, I want to say, a little bit less than a month. Two weeks. and Two weeks from tomorrow. There, there you go. And look, and, and that's stuff I'm excited for. You know what I mean? These rankings are fun. These rankings are great. But we're about to see some real baseball pretty soon. And that's what, that's what we're here for. So with that being said, guys, look, thank you for listening in. As always, please join our SAW family on Facebook. Become part of the conversation. Tell us who do you think should be in our top 10 third baseman. You know what I mean? Whether Lewis Roberts going to be the next face of the franchise instead of, you know, that other guy, Yohan, who took four years to get ready. But whatever. Oh, um, my God. Oh, oh, my God. Coming from the guy who put Robert at number four when he hasn't even played a major league game yet. You let it happen, Rob. You let it happen. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He, he, dude, he has your name. You should be excited. It can be no, the one. It's Robert. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying. You know, hopefully, he's better than Byron Buxton. He, I mean, hopefully he's a lot healthier than Byron Buxton. That's all I care about. He's got to be on the field. Byron Buxton can't stay on the field. But, <laughs> but anyway, like I said, guys, thank you for listening to us. Join our pages. Follow us on Instagram. We have Twitter, where Rob runs the shit out of that. Rob's killing it with the Twitter posts. You know, we got, like I said, we got Instagram. We're, we're all over. You know, come find us. Come be part of our family. Talk to us. We want to hear what you have to say. It's not, it's not really about us. It's about what. People have to conversate about. 
And that's what we're about. So come find us at SLAW. Rob, Nick, thank you. And we'll catch you guys next time. We're doing some pictures. So here we go. See you guys later. Hey guys, we want to thank you for listening to the Diamond Talk podcast presented by The Craft Factory. Stay tuned for the next episode. But until then, if you have any statements, comments, or you want your questions answered live on the podcast, feel free to email us at diamondtalkpodcast at gmail.com. That's diamondtalkpodcast at gmail.com. See you soon.